Well, good morning. I'm glad you're with us this morning. It's a uh, dreary and wet day outside, but the songs we declared in worship this morning are a great reminder of the hope and the life and the joy that we have in the Lord Jesus. And that's the message we get to declare, not only uh, to the ends of the earth, but within this community. I want to share with you an encouraging email that I received since last Sunday, an application of last Sunday from a married lady here at the chapel. She says, for two weeks now, I've been wanting a steak, and Sunday after church seemed like the perfect time. As we were seated at our table, we waited for our server and decided we needed to pray for the salvation of people we knew, an application from our teaching last week. As our waitress approached, we told her we were going to pray and ask if we could pray for her. She said, I'm planning to move to Michigan in June. That's definitely a prayer request if you're going from Florida to Michigan. Uh, With my fiance, that's where his family is. Uh, We then, she says, informed her that my husband was from Michigan, and she asked if we had any recommendations for her. We suggested getting involved in something where she could meet people and told her about a local farmer's market. After we had prayed for her and others and finished eating, I felt like we should invite her to the Alpha course we would be involved in on January 31st. So my husband ran out of the car to get an invitation. When he returned, we explained that she was about to make some huge life changes that perhaps Alpha might be of interest to her. We dialogued a bit about it, and she said emphatically, I'll be there this Thursday. We clarified it started the following Thursday, and she repeated, I'll be there that Thursday then. Uh, Really encouraged. I don't know if, if you still have stuck in your Bible an alpha invitation, and you've not passed it out yet. You haven't given it to, to someone. You've been waiting, thinking, oh, I don't know. I was so encouraged of her simply saying, hey, we'll make an offer. And again, remember this? Hey, I heard about this and thought about you. Might be interested. If not, no problem. We have still more in the seat backs in front of you. Take one. And invite someone you never know what might be going on in their life that would have them ready for that opportunity. Now, as cool as that is, I don't want us to miss this. That life conversation that had it had with that waitress started where? Yeah, it started with a prayer. And that is a reinforcement from day one since we've been in John chapter 4. We've said the life conversation that with people begins with life conversations with God. Simply, it begins with prayer. If we're not praying about it, we won't be talking about it. It starts with, Lord, I want to be open to the opportunities you've placed around. I want to see them and I want to be hungry for them and I want to step into them. If you haven't opened up your Bible yet, if you have one, turn with me to John 4 because this is this whole idea that life conversations with people begin with prayer is what Jesus taught his disciples in this passage in John 4 that we're spending six weeks in. He says to them, verse 34, if you want to jump there, we looked at this two weeks ago. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields that they are white for harvest. 
Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for life eternal, so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. He's saying, I want you to to talk to me, to pray so that you will see. Your prayer is, Lord, increase my spiritual appetite that I'll have food like you had food. You may have forgotten, but today is the day we said we're going to do our no lunch lunch from 1230 over in the Family Life Center. Won't be long, 30, 40 minutes. Just simply a time where we're going to say we're not going to eat at those during those minutes. Well, we're going to eat, but we're going to eat the food that Jesus said he had. We're going to say, Lord, we want our appetite for your work in this city to be like yours, that we are desiring that by your grace and power, at least 110 more people will believe and be baptized in this city, that they would find life in you. So if you haven't forgotten about it or if you're just hearing about it for the first time, you're welcome to come by Family Life Center, 1230 and we'll pray together for our spiritual appetite. He says, pray that my eyes would be open to people opportunities. So easy to get task-oriented and check the box, and there's people all around us. Lift up your eyes and see the people, not just for what they may be in terms of customers or clients or neighbors, but see them according to what God is doing. And then to commit myself to whatever you have for me, Lord, I'm going to do my part in the harvest. So can I encourage you again? It starts with prayer. Let me say it this bluntly. We're asking God, our prayer, 110 more people believe and be baptized, 2019. We're asking God to do something that he's never done before through this body. That's the prayer. But it's not going to happen unless that you would join us in saying, Lord, make me hungry for that. Lord, give me eyes to see that. Lord, I want to do my part. What do you ever have for me in this harvest? It begins with those, each of us having those personal life conversations with God first. Now, here's what we want to do today in relation to John 4. Stay, keep a finger in John 4, but then take your Bible. This is when it gets hard with a mobile device. And go to Colossians chapter 4. Because I want us to interact between Colossians 4 and John 4. For this reason. In Colossians 4, Paul gives very simple, but I think profoundly helpful instructions about how we engage with those who have not yet believed in Jesus. And as we look at what Paul gives as instructions, I want to see us to see, ah, that's exactly what Jesus did, okay? So keep your finger in John 4, and we're gonna look at Colossians 4, just two verses, verse five and six. Verse five begins like this, Colossians 4, 5. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders. Now, Again, if you haven't understood in the past, toward outsiders, that's simply, that's not a derogatory statement. It's simply a label, if you will, of those who have not yet come into the family of God. 
So as those of you who are in the family of God, conduct yourselves with wisdom towards those who are not yet part of the kingdom of God. Well, what does that look like? Well, this is when you go back to John 4 and what we saw last week in the life of Jesus. What was so compelling to me was this, that Jesus conducted himself as a person someone would want to have a life conversation with. That might seem so basic. But we have to ask ourselves, are we the type of people that someone wants to have a meaningful conversation with? Because if we're not that type of person, then we're never going to be able to be a part of what God is doing. Oftentimes, I hate to say this, but oftentimes, Christians are not the type of people that unchurched people want to have a conversation with. Some of you know by your own experience before you came to Christ, you're like, yeah, I tried to avoid those people. Jesus wasn't like that. He, he was a person that someone wanted to have. And what was so unique, what we studied last week, if you weren't here, is Jesus was this. He was humble. Not arrogant, like a typical, stereotypical Christian who was arrogant. He was honest about his weaknesses, not that I've got it all together. And he was actively kind. He went out of his way to treat a person who was not yet believing in him with kindness. If we're going to get started, and that's what this is about this morning, getting started in life conversations, it starts with praying, talking with God about it, and then, who am I? Am I humble? Because people don't like to talk to arrogant people. You've been there. You start a conversation and, uh, just sorry, a story from yesterday popped in my head, but I'm not going to tell that. But I couldn't get away from that guy fast enough. Arrogant. Nobody wants to be around arrogant people. So if there's any sense that you're an arrogant person, you need to talk to the Lord about that because people run from arrogant people. Honest. Nobody has it all together. That might seem admirable, but it's not real. People connect to real people. And actively kind. If we would be, it seems so basic, but... It's, it's this, Colossians 4, conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders. Let your conduct, this is first point here, let your conduct be outside the stereotypical Christian box, which is regrettably often, what, arrogant and perfect. Not rude, not mean, but not kind. Let your conduct be outside that stereotypical box. Now, let me frame that appropriately, but inside biblical commands. See, as I had a real-life conversation with somebody, I was like, oh, I better add this. The guy says, I was talking about outside the stereotypical Christian box, and the guy says to me, I know exactly what you mean. My, my, my friends... Uh, who aren't believers, if I don't get drunk with them, they don't want to hang out with me. I was like, uh, okay, that is not what I mean. 
That is not what we're talking about. So outside the stereotypical boxes, one that's not isolated, you are engaged, but, but not conformed. So th- that's the key, engaged, but not conformed. And folks, this is exactly, I don't know if you know this or not, but this is how Jesus prays for you. It's how Jesus prays for you. He prays that you would be in this world, but not of this world. And that's pretty significant because as I look around the Christian landscape, it seems that most Christians are trying to get away and separate themselves from the world. And Jesus is praying that you'd be engaged in it, but not conform to it. So, if we're going to conduct ourselves outside this stereotypical Christian box, but inside biblical command, we got to be engaged, not conform. All right, Colossians 4, 5 goes on. Conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. <laughs> the opportunity that you have as a believer with unbelievers. Make the most of that opportunity. But here's my challenge. Where are those opportunities? Some of us, it's really challenging to go, I don't know if I have any opportunities with folks who aren't yet Christ followers. And so we need to, second, if we're going to get started and be like Jesus here, we need to create space in our lives for opportunities with outsiders. Now, that's for some of us. Some of you are going, jeez, that's all I have is opportunities with outsiders. Your challenge is not to be engaged. Your challenge is to not be conformed. My challenge, quite frankly, because I don't work with any unbelievers, as far as I know. (laughs) All the pastoral staff happen to be Christ followers. Imagine that. I have to actually work hard to think, how can I create space in my life for opportunities with outsiders? And in fact, what I see is the longer you're around church, that doesn't just, that's not just true for pastors. I remember having a conversation with a guy a couple years back who, very mature in many ways, but when I asked him, tell me how you engage with lost folks, he was like, oh, I'm in like four Bible studies and I serve in five different places at the church. And so I said to him what he never expected a pastor to say. I said, you should stop doing all that stuff with the church. Because you don't have any, any minutes in your life left for what Jesus gave minutes to. Let me ask you, true or false? Jesus spent lots of time with his disciples. True or false? True. True or false? Jesus only spent time with his disciples. But some of us have become that. We have become what Jesus never was. We have become people who only spend time with other believers. And if I'm, if I'm like stomping on your toes right now, I'm stomping on my toes. I have to constantly say, how am I going to be like Jesus in this? I need to repent. If my life is only 
only other believers need to repent of that because that is not what Jesus did. I want to be like Christ. So if you're going, no, I'm surrounded but conformed, you need to repent of that. Because there's nothing that you're bringing to them if you're just like them. Then you're just like them. But if I am saved by God's grace and I'm a new person in Christ, but I never engaged, I'm equally irrelevant. So engaged, not conformed. Is there space, honest question for you right now, is there space in your life where you are actively relating like Jesus did with folks who did not yet believe. Not, not that they just work with you, but that you are actively engaging with them. It's what Christ, the Son of God, had space in his life for his disciples and for those who were not yet following him. Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech, verse 5 was what? Conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Verse 6, let your speech always be with grace. So, when the woman met Jesus at the well and he asked her for a drink, she said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I'm a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. What was she saying? (laughs) Uh, You're not normal. People like you usually stay away from me. You have engaged me. And people like you, if they do speak to me, they, they speak to me with condemning words. And you speak to me with kind words. If, if we're going to get started and be like Christ in life conversations, third, we need to be a person who is gracious in speech. All right, let me pause. Make sure we got the big picture here. We're asking the Lord to do something that he has never done at Christian Family Chapel, to bring a, a large, a great white under harvest number of souls in this body in the next year. And I'm simply acknowledging that unless... We conduct ourselves in ways that we haven't conducted ourselves before. It's not going to happen. Unless we make space in our life for things that we haven't made space in our life for, it's not going to happen. Unless we begin to speak in ways that we have not spoken before, it's not going to happen. Why do I say that? Do not miss this. Because if this were happening, we would be seeing more life the, by God's grace and power work through us, we'd be, see, be seeing more people have more life in Jesus. So I'm telling us, I'm telling me, things have got to change in us. And this is, you know, we haven't even got to the gospel yet. We've just gotten to us for this reason. It is classic stereotypical Christians to look at our culture and our schools and our community around us and go, look how dark and look how awful it is. And speak condemning about it as we isolate ourselves from it, as opposed to Christian Family Chapel, I'm talking to us very directly, as opposed to saying, we're going to be what Jesus is praying for, folks who engage in this community. 
with grace and truth and kindness with our eyes open to the opportunities that God has placed all around us. We are, we are fools if we think that God is going to do something he's never done before when we don't do the things that his word declares that we haven't done before. So I'm calling us. I, I want you to hear me, church. I'm calling us to do some new things reflected in the life of Jesus explained in Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and six. Now, here's, if we got all that straight, we were humble, we were honest, we were kind, we were gracious, we were people that people wanted to have life conversations with. Here's the big question. How do you bring up spiritual things? This is where everybody gets stuck. I want to, Doug. I feel bad. I know I should. I just don't know how. Let your speech always be with grace as those seasoned with salt. So let me say it one more time. We do not serve plates of salt seasoned with grace. We serve plates of grace seasoned with salt. I just can't. Well, I'll tell you a story later why, why this burdens my heart so much. So it's grace seasoned with salt. All that Paul is saying here is this, is be alert and ready to turn a conversation spiritual. That's the salt. How do you turn it spiritual? I know I should. How do I? Well, what did Jesus say? Woman said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask me for a drink since I'm a Samaritan woman? Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Why are you being gracious? Why are you being kind? Why aren't you being rude? Why are you being a person that I want to actually have a conversation with? And he says, uh, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So watch what happened there. They're standing where? They're by a well. Jesus has asked for a drink. She's surprised by that. She wonders why. And so then he turns it spiritual using an analogy of water because they're by a well. This is not, this is not complicated. You see, when we bring up spiritual things, oftentimes we want to go, give me the right line so I can sneak up behind them and whack them on the head. Now, you don't really say that, but that's what they feel like. We were having just a normal conversation, and all of a sudden, you whacked me on the head with something, and it was like, well, where'd that come from? We're, we're talking about the football game, and if you were to die tonight, and we went to hell, whoa, 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 are you, are you playing? Why, why are we talking about death all of a sudden? Now, if you were walking out from a sobering moment at a funeral, that might be an appropriate time to ask that question, right? But... What Jesus does here very simply is he, he connects to the current conversation. They're talking about water, and so he brings up living water. So simply look for what's normal, what's natural. It's awkward because we say awkward things. <laughs> that we heard at church, well, you're supposed to say this, and oh, man, I'm tired of this. Uh, okay, I'll ask this really awkward question. They'll look at me stupid. I'll feel stupid, and I'll never do it again. But just the conversation, 
number of years back, uh, we were in our, in our house for like two months and our brand new neighbors, it was a new community, they had only been there one month. Jackie went out of town, the guy said, hey, come on over, I'm gonna put some steaks on the grill, let's have dinner. I was like, sweet, steaks on the grill. So we go over and it's just uh, he, his wife, and myself. We finish the, the steaks on the grill, we walk inside, we start dishing the plate, and then what had been very natural got really awkward. And I, he got silent and it was like he didn't know what to do. And I thought, what the world's going on here? And then I thought, oh, I wonder if he's like, what do we do with the pastor in the house now? Because we had already had, by his own bringing up, that he was not a Christ follower. And so I said, uh, hey, I don't know if you're wondering this, but if you're used to having uh, some wine or a beer with your steak and you're thinking, can I do that with the pastor in the house? That's not a problem. Go ahead. And he says, oh, that's not what I was thinking about, but man, I'm glad you asked that. I've always wondered, what's the Bible say about alcohol? That was his question. He was like, oh, I re- what's the Bible say about alcohol? And I said, well, thank you for asking because it's very clear. The only way to get to heaven is to stop drinking. <laughs> now you laugh. But 20 years ago, and in some churches today, when I said that, they wouldn't laugh, they would go, amen. And it's the very reason I was glad to have a conversation with him. Because sometimes we take other issues and we make them part of the gospel. Or folks who don't understand the gospel have connected things to the gospel. Hey, I was taught growing up, part of going to heaven was... Never, never drinking alcohol. Now, I'm not, I'm not encouraging us to all drink alcohol. That's a matter clearly in the scripture of personal conscience. But I want to say with all my heart, it gets confusing in what the true gospel is. And it was just a natural conversation. He was actually glad to hear what the Bible had to say. About someone. There's all sorts of things that people actually are wondering what's the Bible have to say? They, they genuinely wonder. They're genuinely interested. Do you know we have a waiting list of people to attend our biblical, to receive biblical counseling at Christian Family Chapel from our community? They're not necessarily Christ followers, but 40 plus people are, are waiting because of relational issues in their life and problems in their life to get biblical counsel. And we're running around scared to bring up spiritual things. Just bring it up in conversation and see. You never know what they go, oh, I've always wondered that. The guy right out here says to me, wow, this is a big place around here. And I said, well, you ought to come check us out. We had a bit of a relationship. And I said, well, do you come some Sunday and check it out? He goes, oh, no, I want to do that. My wife and I were Catholic. And then he goes, you know, I don't even know why I say that. I haven't been to Mass in more than six years. I don't know why. But we always say we're Catholic, but we never go. So I said, well, if you, if you were to die tonight. No, I didn't say that. I, <laughs> see, that would have been awkward. I said, huh, you know, I've discovered that lots of folks who grew up Catholic kind of always know there's a difference between Catholics and Protestants, but they don't know what the difference is. So if you're willing to let me buy you lunch, I'd be glad to explain. And he goes, I'm glad for you to buy me lunch. And I'd actually learn, like to hear that. 
So a week later at Bono's, I'm able to share with him a gospel of grace of Jesus alone instead of Jesus plus works. And he didn't get on his knees at Bono's and accept Jesus. That's not the end of the story. But it was a natural overflow of conversation. You're going to be talking football. You're going to be talking Patriots, Tom Brady, and cheating. Just connect it spiritually. (laughs) I'm still bitter. Uh, No, you you get what I'm saying? Don't make it awkward. It doesn't have to be awkward. It has to start with being a person that somebody likes to have a conversation with because you're humble, honest, and kind, and you're gracious. And you don't sneak up behind them and hit them in the head with spiritual stuff. It's just conversation. Or, again, as an overflow, not out of the blue, an overflow, you invite them to something. And it doesn't have to be, well, I've been friends three years with them. I think I might invite them to something. What I loved about that email was, hey, they had, they had established a connection. And so it was very natural to say, hey, with this change in your life, you might be interested. And what the waitress say? I'm in. Yes. Another email I got Friday. Oh, my goodness. I finally invited my neighbor to Alpha. I told her she could think about it, let me know if she wanted to go. She said, I can tell you right now. Yes. So excited to think I was dragging my feet to ask. Uh, yeah, that's, that's true for lots of us. Dragging our feet, dragging our feet, dragging our feet, dragging our feet. Because we think, oh, well, we don't know, we don't know. I, I agree, we don't know. That's why you just, hey, saw this and was thinking about you and maybe you'd like to attend. If not, no problem. Maybe to invite to a service. Thursday night, our Thursday service, before the service begins, I'm getting a cup of decaf coffee and a a guy I don't recognize is beside me getting a cup of coffee, so I introduce myself Ask him his name. Ah, uh, so tell me a little bit about yourself. And he told me his occupation requires him to work on Sundays. And so he's coming on Thursdays. Sweet. I was super glad to hear about that because that's why we started Thursday service. So that folks who, because we're in a post-Christian culture. Things are, everything's open on Sunday. So Interested in coming on Thursday? And he drives all the way from Jacksonville Beach. And turned out, not long ago, he was an atheist. He had just recently given his life to Jesus and is growing in Christ. And he couldn't go if we didn't have a Thursday service. Okay, now, now here's, we just don't think about it, though. The people who've, who serve you lunch generally can't go to church on Sunday. The people who fill your prescriptions, often they work on Sundays. Do you know that? Pharmacist, 
He was like, I'm required to work every Sunday. Now, I, this is not a drug question, but any of you take any um, legal pharmaceutical drugs in the last 30 days? Yeah, yeah, lots of you have. But probably none of us have thought, I wonder if that guy has to work or if that gal has to work every Sunday because they're always open to serve us. How have we never thought to say, hey, I really appreciate the service you provide. If that requires you to come on to be here, then right here in Mandarin, we have a, a Thursday service. You see what I'm saying? It begins with prayer. Lord, open my eyes to see the people opportunities I've been missing. Maybe that example is going to cause you to think of somebody that I've never thought of that you would go, huh, why have I never invited them to the Thursday service? That would actually be a great gift to them. And as with every invitation, just follow it. If it helped, I'd be glad to come. If not, I'd be glad to stay away. You see, it's... It's simple. Now, if you're not kind, you're not humble, and you're not gracious, and you haven't engaged, and all of a sudden you appear as a stranger, even though you've been neighbors for four years, and you knock on the door and hand them an invitation and run, don't be that person. Please. Have a meal with them first. Develop a relationship. That's what Jesus did. We're not like running missions where we fly in and drop stuff and fly out and escape. Jesus engaged but was not conformed. Natural conversation. Simply invite them to something. Sometimes it's just request permission to ask a question. Just to ask a question. But I always ask permission to ask a question. Hey, do you mind if I, we've talked a lot about football. You ask, mind if I ask you a, a more personal question? And genuinely, most people don't mind, but it is important. I want to say this. Always give permission to pass. <laughs> no. But most people, yeah. Well, what do, you, what, what do I ask them? Here's the key. I've heard some people tell me some really good things that they ask. The problem is, I feel awkward trying to imitate questions that other people have come up with. It's better to be honest and go, what do you want to know? Don't ask a canned question. Just ask yourself, what do you want to know? Do you want to know a little bit about their story? Do you want to know... Uh, do you mind if I ask you kind of where, where faith has been involved in your upbringing? Do you mind if I ask, has church ever been a part of your life? Do you mind if, if I ask what you think about Jesus? It can be, or, or do you mind if I ask, what do you think about what they did in New York and the whole abortion law? That's a current conversation. Uh, I don't want to talk politics. No problem. I understand. See, don't, my son will, he plays, he has created, he's youth pastor up in South Carolina and created space Mondays playing ultimate Frisbee in the community. And I said, so how are you, how are you turning things spiritually? 
And he said, here's what's working for me. I've learned to simply say to guys, hey, you guys know I'm a youth pastor. I'm always really interested to know what unchurched people think church people believe about how you get to heaven. And I was like, that's a weird question. Why in the world would you ask that? He said, because it's a lot easier for them to answer what they think other people think than what they think. And I was like, okay, that's not weird. That's actually smart. <laughs> but he, had th- he wanted to know. See, that was the key. He wanted to know. I want to know what unchurched people think church people believe about how you get to heaven. Now, some of you are going, oh, write that down. Let me write that down. No. Because <laughs> if you have to write it down, you probably don't want to know it. You're just trying to look for a good question. Here's a good question. Something you want to know. Th- then you can follow up. Unless they go, I'd like to pass. Or, eh, I don't really want to talk about that. That's not a problem. People don't want to talk to people who force them to talk about stuff they don't want to talk about. Or put them in awkward spots of answering stuff that they don't want to ask. So, Jesus simply followed up on that conversation. But that's how you bring up spiritual things. Now, notice that it doesn't have to be straight to the gospel. It doesn't have to be straight to the gospel. But I want to make sure that there's a difference between bringing up spiritual things and identifying the essentials of the gospel. Sometimes we get it all confused and we start talking about spiritual things, but then we never identify the essentials of the gospel. Or we think, well, I can't have a conversation with somebody unless it's the gospel. And I'm not saying either of those things. I'm saying, bring it up. However, salt Sprinkle a little spiritual and see where it goes. But if it goes somewhere, don't get lost on the essentials of the gospel. And what Jesus says to the woman, I think is pretty insightful about the essentials. He says, and I've underlined and highlighted in yellow the two essentials. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. What is one of the essentials of the gospel of grace? That it is a gift of God. Folks, if you don't know that that is the, one of the greatest uh, realities of ignorance, and that's not a negative, just lack of understanding of the gospel in our community, then you're not talking to people about spiritual things. They don't believe it's a gift. It's too good to be true. There's always strings attached. Jesus says, gift, gift, gift. And second, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Who's he focusing on? Because he's Jesus, he's focusing on himself. So, regardless of however you get into spiritual things, be crystal clear on the person and work of Jesus and salvation as a gift. That's the heart. 
See, I might start a spiritual conversation with a question regarding drinking a beer. But I'm going to work hard to disconnect alcohol and the gospel of grace, okay, in terms of being a believer. You might start a conversation about creation versus evolution, but can I please plead with you that as much as I believe in creation, you do not need to be a creationist to come to Jesus. Now, that might bug some of you. But you're not going to read through your New Testament and conclude that you must believe in Jesus and creation in order to be saved. Now, what often happens? People come to Christ, they start reading their scripture, and they discover a creative God instead of an evolutionary process. See what I'm saying? So... Don't make important things to you in your faith as necessary requirements to saving faith. Saving faith is about believing in the person work of Jesus and receiving it as a gift. And when we start attaching other things to it, then we cloud and confuse the gospel. Verse Six finishes like this. Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you know how you should respond to each person. Now, we're not going to look so much at what Jesus says, but why he says what he says. Because the admonition here is to respond to each person in a unique way. We respond according to their response. We, we sprinkle some salt. In other words, we turn the conversation, we introduce a spiritual thought, a spiritual question, or a spiritual invitation, and then we see where it goes. If they drop it, what do you do? Well, cram it down their throat. No, no, no. If they don't take the bait, if you would, just let it go. If they follow, go with it. Guy said to me after first hour, yeah, I'm, I'm never aggressive with the gospel. I said, whoa, whoa, no, 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 no. My point was, be as aggressive with the gospel as they are interested in the gospel. When Jesus says to the woman, if you knew who I was and the gift of God, you've been asking me for a drink, not me, you for asking you for a drink. And then he says in verse 13 and 14, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst. But the water that I give him will become in him a well of springing up to eternal life. That's a great truth. But do you know why Jesus says what he says in 13 and 14? This is absolutely crucial. Why does he say what he says in 13 and 14? Because of what she says in 11 and 12. Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Ah. He sprinkled from real water to living water and she was like, where do you get that living water? And verse 12, you're not greater than our father Jacob, are you? I got a question here. Two questions. Where do you get it and who are you that you're offering it? You're not greater than Jacob, are you? So he goes with her response. 
Yeah, that's basic conversation, but sometimes we just go stupid. I'm serious. We just get stupid when it comes to, oh, we got to get some, oh, we brought it up. Now we got to go, go, go. Uh, the guy who I had lunch with at Bono's, I went by his business place a couple days later. I don't know how many days later. Went by his business place, and he goes, oh, man, I got to talk to you. He takes me outside, and he says, I am so angry. I, I, just yesterday, I met one of those Christians that makes me not want to be a Christian. Ooh, why, what happened? I was trying to do him a favor, and his workplace, on my time doing him a favor, he corners me, and he starts up in my face telling me I'm going to go to hell. And he, and he tells me all the different things that I've done wrong. And you know, I'm going, hey, I got to get out of here. And he's like cornering me. He won't let me go. I'm sending him every verbal and nonverbal sign that I don't want to have this conversation. But he won't stop. He traps me for like 20 minutes. Going to hell. Going. And he's, I mean, the guy was very, he's more animated with me than I am with you right now. He was like, tell it me. Oh. He was like beside himself. Didn't ask for permission. Didn't respond according to the response. Wasn't gracious, humble, honest, or kind. Just, I checked it off. I I shared the gospel with that guy. I told him the way it really is. Well, congratulations. Let's not be that people. If that's who you think I, that we think we should be as we ask the Lord by his grace and power for 110 more, that is not what we're talking about, folks. This is, this is why we're spending six weeks to see Jesus have a life conversation that is filled with truth and grace and honors the individual, responds according to their response. So much, so much about life conversations or about who we are and how we conduct ourselves long before we ever get to the essentials of the gospel. Did you hear that? That is why, that's why I'm saying, folks, if, we, if we're going to ask God to do something he's never done before, we're going to have to be willing to pray things we haven't prayed before, engage in ways that we haven't engaged before, be kind in ways that we haven't been kind before, be gracious in ways we haven't been gracious before, to listen in ways that we haven't listened before, to sprinkle in the way that we have sprinkled before in terms of spiritual. It's all, so much of it's before the gospel hits the table. I just want to really, really, Plead as I'm praying about this myself. Doug, are you a person that an unbeliever would want to have a conversation with? Just start there. And stop with this. I have to have an outcome before I turn it spiritual and see what happens. It's okay to turn it spiritual and nothing happens. Just respond according to the response. I've said it. I hope you're hearing my heart. I hope you're seeing it in the life of Jesus. And I hope, we're, I hope we'll grow. And 
And I hope if whatever is going on in your life and you're here this morning and you haven't trusted in Jesus, or you haven't understood that it's a gift, that if you have spiritual questions based on some things that you've heard, allow us to respond here. We're always available. That communication card to simply have a question or I'd like to talk to someone or, or to go around and it's a rainy day, so, but if you'd like somebody to, to talk with directly today, he is living water. And all of us were made for it. We are thirsty. If you had the living water, we have the incredible privilege of being instruments of God for more people finding more life in Jesus. So wherever we are in our own journey, let's be responsive to who he is and what he offers. So Lord, should we go from here? Would we go with a yes to you? More like you. And when we see stuff in our lives and in our conversations that's not like you, that, that we would uh, invite you to change us. To the praise of your glory and certainly to the fullness of the joy of our own hearts in this community. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Thanks for being here. 1230, no lunch, lunch, if you'd like to join us.